If you're ready to build a business that brings you more wealth, gives you more time, and leaves you with more happiness, then this podcast is for you. Dan Olson has helped thousands of people find business success through the best franchising opportunities. If you're looking for insider business tips and advice from a franchise and business expert, then we have exactly what you need on Built for Scale with Dan Olson. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Franchise Your Success. We have our coach, Dan Olsen, in the house. How are you doing, Dan? I'm amazing. I'm always great when I'm hanging out with you guys. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you here as well. So people are more secure about buying a franchise. This is awesome. We have a whole bunch of following that are really interested in doing it. So what are some of the do's and the don'ts of franchising? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So if I were to buy a franchise, what are some of the tips that you could give me? Well, you know, there's a there's a there's a whole lot. I think when you first start looking at different franchises, as we've mentioned before, over 4000 choices to look Oof. at uh, and there's more new ones coming out all the time. <laughs> I see new ones popping in, you know, every month there's several new ones coming up. So here's the thing that I look at. First, as a foundation, you look at a franchise that's well-established and you could go out there and you can look at a lot of the sandwich places or you could look at some of the food places that have been around for a long time. But sometimes those are harder to get because you can't find a location because they're all snapped up by existing franchisees. So that's more of an existing franchise company that's well down the road. Then there's the emerging franchises. These are the ones that are that are newer and they're starting to grow a little bit and they got 20, 30, 40, 50 locations and they're proving themselves. And that's usually the area that I like to look at is not necessarily the really long established ones. I remember when I first got involved with Massage Envy, it was called more of a maybe even a micro emerging franchise. Ooh. They only had four locations when they first started or when I first started working with them. And so as they moved forward, we helped bring on more franchisees. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I got to see the inside scoop of some of these. And so I thought, I got to grab some of these as well. So I ended up acquiring with a partner, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Michigan. And we built those up and sold them. And so it was it was a great experience to see at the micro emerging level, some of these franchises that are growing. So the thing is that you got to take in business, you got to take a calculated risk sometimes. So, and But the cool thing about a franchise is you're taking less of a calculated risk <laughs> because if you can really dive in and see the system and the program behind it, then you have something. And I would say the most important thing on a do to really investigate on a franchise, I mean, there's a lot of things, but the heart of it is the financials. <laughs> when you think about it, why do you buy a franchise? Why do you acquire something, a business? Why do you start a business? Is it just for your pleasure? Is it just to enjoy? Sure, that's part of it. But you acquire a business, you start a business to make money. <laughs> so you got to know if it makes money. And one way to do that, of course, is to look at the, what's called the franchise disclosure document. And, and there's an item number 19 that talks about financial representations. You go right there and you see if they offer financial representations. Some of the more mature franchises will offer those. Some of the newer ones can be less likely to offer those financials because they don't have as long as track record. So you've got to do your investigation on the financials. And that usually comes in the form maybe of going actually through the franchisor or other franchisees and look at the financials. And the, the, there's a quick formula that I use 
to just to determine that. So, because people will tell me numbers, and mm -hmm. sometimes you don't want to necessarily trust all those numbers. Mm -hmm. But the way that I can trust those numbers a little bit more is I look at the average ticket price or the average price for the service. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's $100 for the service mm -hmm. per month, and then the average number of clients or customers per week. Mm -hmm. So, I can multiply those two together and I can come up. So, if it's if it's $100 for the service, and then it's 100 customers per week are using that service, 100 times 100 is $10,000. So I know that that business is probably doing around 10,000 per week, or roughly 40, 42,000, 43,000 a month, or roughly half million a year. So if I'm in the market for a franchise that's gonna produce me <clears throat> a half million dollars in sales every year, that hopefully can produce, and every franchise is different, but if it produces 20% profit, as an example, that's $100,000 a year in income that I can invest in and not necessarily have to be there on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is going to be a little bit longer answer, Marjorie, because it's important. Because <laughs> I'm also not only going to talk about the money, but I'm going to talk about the time. Gotcha. Because some people don't have the time. They've got a job, they've got other commitments, and they just don't have time to have for another job, a full-time job. So some franchises, you got to look at the time as well. So you're looking at the money side, and like I mentioned, you can check the numbers by actually checking and see the number of clients that they're getting times multiplied by the average ticket. So that's an important side analysis be, be, besides whatever numbers they can offer to you. You want to look at those numbers as well. But the other thing you want to look at is your time. You don't want to just trade your time for money. This is, a, this is an investment. It's an, a serious investment. And so you want to look at the possibility of having what's called a semi-absentee-owned type business. And it's been my experience that a lot of franchise companies or even business opportunities will say, come on in and, and we'll jump in here and, <laughs> and you can run this absentee-owned or it's completely passively owned. Be careful with that because tough to start a business and all of a sudden it's bringing you passive income mm -hmm. or it's bringing you absentee profits. What I've found is when you're starting a business, if you're running it absentee-owned, you also have absentee profits, <laughs> which we don't want. So we want to be able to make money. So it's either you're running it full-time or you're running it semi-absentee-owned. The ones that I've stuck with over the years that have worked very, very well are the semi-absentee-owned. They're, they're the ones that you're working five, six, seven, eight hours a week to manage the manager. Once you get it established and up and running, then you're managing your manager. You're managing the people at the location so that you're not spending full time there, you can go off and do other things. That's making good use of your time. And so you wanna look at money and you wanna look at time involved. So you wanna ask the questions to the franchisees, you wanna ask the questions to the franchisor, how much time are you spending or are the franchisees spending per week in the franchise to operate it properly? Then you also wanna ask, what are the average ticket prices and what, what's the average number of clients or customers coming in and then you can simply multiply that and check their numbers based on what you're finding in there. So those are the two big things, time and money. Gotcha. And that's interesting because like that's a really big red flag that some people uh, take for granted, time. Because time is such a great investment. Like, I mean, you can't recover your time. And one of the things that I also heard from you right now is that there's the semi-absentee and the full quote-unquote absentee you cannot have that what other red flags have you seen um when purchasing a franchise well you know there's a red flag but you, anybody that any franchisor that tells you oh man just invest 
and we're going to run it for you and take care of everything for you. Those are few and far between. In fact, the one that I'm thinking about where people where they were selling a ton of and they sold a ton of franchises. I'm not going to say the name because it's kind of disturbing <laughs> to me, but basically <laughs> They would have people come in and pay $25,000, $30,000 and say, we'll take care of it all for you. And you just sit back and collect your, your money, run from things like that. In fact, the people who are running that now, I know, are been convicted of some type of charges. I'm not going to say a whole lot oh, wow. what it is. So you got to be careful that you, anytime you acquire a franchise, you got to put some time into it. And you so that, therefore... You want to have a little bit of passion for it. You want to be able to feel good about what you're offering. And you know, some of the, the most highest standard individual business people that I know and I work with, and I'm grateful to have those people as friends. Those are the people I choose to hang out with. I was just talking to one of my friends this morning. He says, you know, I had an opportunity to invest in this particular business and I was ready to invest. But then as I got going, there's nothing wrong with the people. The people were great in the franchise. They were backing them up. The, the money was great. In fact, he says, if I had invested in this particular business, I, I expected to make $300,000 this year. So it was that good. And so he was very, very excited about it. But then as he started looking at it and thinking, okay, as I work through this and as I do the steps that they're taking, I didn't feel good about it. So one of the red flags is, do you feel good about it? Do you you feel like you can really get into it and have that passion for it. Sure, you can probably develop that passion, but in this case, this gentleman, this, this guy, a good friend of mine, he says, you know what? I could have made all this money, but I just didn't feel personally good about it. So I'm gonna go invest in this other business that's mm -hmm. a, maybe a little bit, he made a little bit less money with the deal, but he felt good about it. He felt, I can get into this. I can really feel good about promoting the product and I feel good about promoting the people behind it. And I can feel good about myself, most of all. And so, you know, I applaud that type of person. And that's the type of person I think we all want to try to be. We're not <laughs> perfect, of course, but we want to try to be that person where we're not just in it for the money, because if we're just in it for the money, that's one of the red flags. If, mm -hmm. if the money's flashed around and, and we're just doing it for the money, there's a lot of reasons why we do business, mm -hmm. of course. But and as I mentioned, money's and time are important, but we want to have that passion. And, if, and red flags are things that the emotions inside of you, if it just tears you apart to be able to offer that service. So one of the ways to get through that is let's say that it's a service business or even a food business. Go in, if, you, if you're hesitating, okay, mm -hmm. and you're on the line, oh, I don't know if I want to invest in that business. Okay, so go in. Go in and, and stand behind the counter for, for half a day and actually serve some of the food or actually see how it's prepared. See if you can feel, even though you may not be doing that mm -hmm. as a semi-absentee owner, you still want to have that experience and, and that feel what your employees would be going through so you can back that up and feel good about it. Same thing with a service business. Let's say it's a dry cleaning business. Mm -hmm. Go in behind the counter and get a, get a feel for those customers coming in the door, what they're saying, what they're feeling. And if you're feeling that, that may make the decision if you're on the fence on the emotionally and from a red, red flag of thinking, oh, I just don't think I can do this for the next 10 years Oof. Yeah. versus you know, I feel good about offering this service because you've actually done it. So that's a good way to get over that hurdle of that red flag of 
maybe this isn't for me because I don't feel good about it. Gotcha. So it's kind of like an undercover boss situation that you would yeah. run in there. Yeah. Have you ever done that with one of your franchises where you actually did the services for the clients that you were having? Oh, yeah. I've gone in in some of the food franchises and I've actually helped fix some of the fries or I've oh. helped fix some of the sandwiches <laughs> and things like that. Or you watch it being done. And that's good. Now, I didn't do it with the massage franchises <laughs> I was with because you don't go in the room when you're giving a massage. You know, you, you're, you're, they want to have it private and everything. But I have gone and got a massage <laughs> and I see how they do it. And it, I see the service that they offer. And so one of the things you can do is actually go experience the service, go experience the food and not just once, go several times and see how the experience is over a period of two or three, four times and see if it's the same. And hopefully it's the same because that's what a franchise does. It sets up that system where it's the same. Now in like a haircutting type franchise, it'll be a little bit different. If a home care type franchise, you're gonna have a different personality of that person taking care of that elderly person in their home. So it, it's, it's gonna be a little bit different from that standpoint, but the system should be the same behind it that backs it up. Gotcha, and that's really interesting. And I bet that you also had your family helping you check on those services and make sure that the quality was the same over time. You know, that's right. You know, I have five children. These are amazing children. And every one of them have worked with me in my franchising businesses over the years. And it's so grateful to have the family part of that. And so when someone talks to me about, hey, can my family be involved with this? By all means, you want your family involved with it as much as they want to be involved. Sometimes they got their own careers and are off <laughs> doing whatever they want to do. That's what happened with my children is they mm -hmm. came in, we worked together for a while, and then they went off and got their own careers. And that's great. But I still have a couple of them working with me still to this day. And I'm grateful for that, to be able to have that commonality with my family. But the other thing is I'm older and you want the younger generation in there checking things out too. So you're right, Marjorie. That's a, a thing that we really want to look at. And I was just talking to a 30-year-old guy last night that's checking out a franchise. And he says, yeah, yeah, our generation is different than you guys. But so we see it a little bit different. So it's a great idea is to come in and have your child that you work with. Hey, would you please go check this out? Go have a sandwich on me over <laughs> here or, or go take your clothing over here or go get a massage over here or go have a spa treatment over here and check it out for me and get their opinion because generational differences can make a difference in how the, fr the franchise progresses in the future. That's right. And I feel like also analyzing that in the long run, it's going to be really productive for the franchise itself because you're not just targeting one type of people only. If you really want to like right. make sure that your franchise grows as fast as possible, you need to target as many people as you can from different types of different backgrounds, different likes, I guess, in the case of food. So that's really cool. Um, what are some other tips that you would give us if I wanted to like purchase a franchise? All right. So another important thing is to is get to know the people behind the franchise. And one of the things that I will say is none of the people are perfect, but in the franchise disclosure document, they have to list two things that sometimes can become red flags. Number one is, <laughs> has any of the officers of that company been involved with lawsuit? Have any of those officers of that company been involved with a bankruptcy mm -hmm. uh, over the past 10 years? And so that, have, that has to be listed. But you know what? All the major franchises that I've seen come across, there's always something in there. There's usually a lawsuit. There's usually... I remember working with one particular company that was growing very, very fast. And the first two years, they had 
two or three, two or three lawsuits. It wasn't a company that I owned, by the way, <laughs> but they had two or three lawsuits very quickly right out of the box. So you have to look at the reasons why they had the lawsuits. And then if you feel comfortable with the answer, then you can still move forward. But sometimes you may hesitate. Someone that's gone through bankruptcy, you don't know the circumstance. So you sometimes want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So those are the things that we look at for the people. But every person makes mistakes. And, and I guess that's one of my faults. People have accused me of being too trusty <laughs> and allow people to take advantage of me. And it's sometimes come back and maybe hasn't been the best thing, but I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I want to trust them. But sometimes you have to really get to know that person one-on-one -on -one to understand. And that may be in this day and age, more over a Zoom meeting back and forth, feeling comfortable with them. But the better if you can shake their hand and even maybe even give them a hug because you've developed that kind of relationship with that franchisor that you're going to be the type of franchisee that will be the brand champion for that, that brand to help them move forward. You got to feel that good about the brand, of course, but you got to feel good about the people. So as you talk about, talk to the people and get to know them, that's an important aspect. The other thing is getting to know some of the franchisees themselves. Mm -hmm. And some of the micro emerging brands may not have a lot of franchisees. They may only have two or three or four of them. And some of them are always, some may not be willing to talk to you. But you do your best to talk to you know one or two, three of the franchisees and see how they're doing, see how the support of the company is. A lot of times they'll be, hesitate to give you their actual financial numbers because that's their business. Mm -hmm. They may not want to share that with you, but you certainly can ask the questions that I asked before. Okay, you don't need to give me your numbers. Don't give me your revenue and your profit because that's you want to keep Personal. those more private sometimes. Sometimes they're happy to give it to you. Oh, yeah, man, we're doing a million dollars a year and I'm putting, you know, 25% to the bottom line. And sometimes they may like to do that and that's okay. But most of the times they want to keep that private. But the questions you can ask them is, what is the average ticket price you're getting? And what are the number of customers you have and come in the door every week? They'll give you that. And then you can do your multiplication and then you can figure out, okay, what's your labor cost? What is your... What's your rent percentage of rent? Well, how much you're, how, what a percentage you're spending in marketing? You can ask those those questions, and then you can put your own PL together. It's pretty easy to do. It's just another way to look at the financial side. But I think mostly, as long as the the financials are good, some of the most important questions to ask the franchisees is how is the support? Do you feel like you're getting the support? How is the system? Is it the system clear? Are you able to see the step-by-step -step process unfolding before you? Is it easy to follow? Is it replicatable in your area? So those are probably more of the important questions I like to ask. And, and then how have people treated you? How has the franchisor treated you? And how have you treated them? Are you, you feeling good about your relationship with them? So you put them on the spot a little bit and see how the relationship is. That, that, those are important questions. There's a lot more to ask, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> and I feel like that people is such an important aspect when it comes to a franchise, because if you do have a really good relationship from the franchisee to the main owner of the franchise, it's going to get reflected into the employees, I feel like. So if you were to go to one of these branches of, let's say, a food franchise, and you get to see all the employees being happy, I feel like that also gives you a really good hint of how good this franchise is and Culture. how you can invest in them. Culture. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. It's extremely important. I mean, I could walk, I mean, I could see it in the hair salon industry or any industry you walk into. 
I could go in the back room of a hair salon in some of the franchises that I work with, and I could look at their bulletin board, and I could see which franchises were successful and which were not, just by almost looking at the bulletin board, because the owner and manager were putting up goals, and they're putting up little quotes, and they're bringing them in lunch once in a while, and they're bringing them <laughs> little, little, little gift cards and thanking them, and they're grateful for their employees. And that's reflected on that bullet board. Then you go on the other one, and it would say, oh, you screwed up last night. You didn't do this, <laughs> or you didn't do that, or you did, this, this didn't happen. Almost always that franchise was not doing as well as the one where they were creating that positive culture, as simple as putting something up on a bulletin board in the back of the room. That's a really good tip. Let's also like take a look at the culture then before purchasing a franchise. Right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. That was so helpful because like now I feel like we do have the do's and the don'ts for buying a franchise like a pro. Thank you so much again for today. Bye.